This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022, and I'm Natalia Castro from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. This week, we are sitting down with Fed agent, Fed forum partners. For those that do not know, Fed Talk's sister newsletter, Fed Agent, provides news, legislative insights, and case law updates to the federal law enforcement community every Thursday. In the last year, the Fed Agent newsletter launched the Fed Forum a space for the federal law enforcement community to share resources, events, and information with the broader law enforcement community. This week, I am very glad to be joined by a few of our Fed agent, Fed forum partners to discuss their work in 2021, their involvement with the forum, and what's to come in 2022. Let's kick it off by introducing our guests. First, I have Steve Wasserman, National President of the National Association of Assistant U.S. Attorneys, or NASA. Steve, thank you for being here and representing NASA. Thank you for having me. Of course. Next up, we have Sarah Sloan, Communications Director for Concerns of Police Survivors, or COPS. Welcome, Sarah, and thanks for joining. Hello, thank you for having me. Finally, from Survivors of Blue Suicide, we have Executive Director Shelly Jones. It's great to have you back on the program, Shelly. Thank you, I appreciate it. Before we dive in, I want to remind everyone that FedTalk is brought to you by Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, insured by John Hancock Life and Health Insurance Company under a group long-term care insurance policy and administered by Long-Term Care Partners, doing business as FedTalk. To learn more, visit them at www.ltcfeds today. Well, everyone, this is our first show of 2022, and I think it is very appropriate that we're kicking it off with this discussion about the Fed Forum. It is one of my favorite things that we launched in 2021 because it really acts as a landing spot for people across the federal law enforcement community and honestly across government to learn about what's going on in the law enforcement community. We have a lot of great partners who have contributed some really interesting columns, And I'm excited to dive into the different columns that you guys have posted this year. But to start us off, I want to give each of you a chance to give our readers and listeners a little bit more insight about your organizations. So I'm going to start with Sarah, our communications director at COPS. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah. So... Concerns of Police Survivors, or COPS, has been around since 1984. Um, We started with 110 survivors who had lost their loved one in the line of duty. And today we are, we just hit over 60,000 survivors. Um, We we work with survivors in ways of our hands-on programs, which we have a program for each survivorship. So spouses go to spouses retreat, kids go to kids camp, and so on. Um, And we have something for everyone, um, down to extended family. So really... Um, if you were related to an officer or worked directly with them, we have something for you. Um, but we've also, in the last decade, really honed in on the law enforcement side through our traumas of law enforcement trainings, um, which we've increased the locations, as well as our national conference on law enforcement, wellness, and trauma. And then, of course, we're very excited when Shelly, who used to work with cops, she started SBS, and um, we're very proud to be able to give a place for the survivors that call here and they've lost their officer to suicide and we used to not have anything for them. And now it's, it's very rewarding to be able to give them right over to Shelly and get them the care that they need. So um, COPS is ever growing. I've been here almost 10 years. And when I started, we had eight employees and now we're at 26. Um, so I know we'll talk about the growth a little bit further, further throughout the segment, but um, yeah, unfortunately we're an organization that does not want to grow um, and we are at a rapid rate. 
Thank you, Sarah. Um, it's so great to know that cops exist. There is so much pain in the law enforcement community surrounding line of duty deaths and having a resource like cops is really incredible. And as you mentioned, um, Shelly created and, and works on survivors of blue suicide in a lot of ways, very closely with cops in terms of the type of work that you do. Shelly, can you tell us a little bit more about what goes on at SPS? Yes. Um, well, uh, we were modeled, we're modeled after cops in, um, in January of 2020, the cops national board uh, voted to help start a separate organization. Cops simply didn't have the capacity to what will eventually probably would triple them in size. Um, like Sarah said, cops itself is growing, just managing the line of duty deaths and to take on, um, the survivors of suicide would be almost impossible for them. So the board was very gracious in helping um, us get started. And our national office is actually um, inside the COPS national office. So that's how close we work together. Um, as I said, we are modeled after COPS. Um, we are just getting started with our retreats and um, our national conference memorial events. And and we're, we're very excited that last year we had our first one. So. Um, that's pretty much where we're, we've been and where we're going. You know, hearing you talk about how um, SBS really kicked off in 2020, it's just such what a critical time with so many mental health issues exacerbated by the pandemic to really have a resource for law enforcement struggling with mental health issues. Uh, you know, Shelly has been on the program before. We've discussed the unfortunate shame and burdens that are carried with suicide. And it's great that you guys are really breaking that stigma and um, helping people both on the preventative side and following. Um, cops and SBS are really incredible resources for the law enforcement community, not just at the federal level, but also at the state and local. And, and I wanted to mention that as well. Um, next, we have NASA with us turning page slightly in the law enforcement community, looking at our federal prosecutors. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about NASA and the role you play in the law enforcement community? Sure. Thanks, Natalia. Um, NASA was established in 1992 by a number of AUSAs who saw uh, a need to have representation of the federal prosecutors in the field, um, the AUSAs, as opposed to those who work at Maine Justice, um, uh, and to have a voice in the department and on Capitol Hill for those issues that uh, oftentimes uniquely impact the work that we do. Um, we have uh, 94 districts around the United States uh, of uh, AUSA uh, offices, and we represent uh, the 6,000 uh, or so AUSAs there are nationwide on really a, a host of issues, uh, not just uh, pay, benefits, and work life, but also on uh, policy issues that impact um, uh, our ability as AUSAs to do our jobs. Um, so. Uh, we uh, we fill an important role in um, advocating for AUSAs uh, both before the Department of Justice as well as on the Hill. That's great. Thank you, Steve. And I think if there's one thing um, that this conversation in this table of guests should really highlight, it's the diversity of partners we have in the Fed Forum, representing the federal prosecutors, representing the concerns of police survivors, the survivors of blue suicide. The Fed Forum also has partners from women in federal law enforcement, uh, some of, you know, FLIOA, NARC, those kind of larger names. And so I think one of the things I really liked about the forum is that it is a forum of these diverse voices in law enforcement. And I would really like to hear from you guys what you see as some of the benefits in participating in this type of forum where you can partner with other groups and share information. I'll just toss that out to the panel. Well, I think the biggest thing is just the awareness of that our organizations are here. Um, unfortunately, a lot of agencies still they don't know who we are until a line of duty death happens, especially in these smaller agencies. Um, we just, this year we broke into the NYPD, I shouldn't say broken into, but we had a TLE there um, and it was our largest TLE. Normally it's around a hundred people and we had a little over 
actually near 400 people there. And they were all like, why didn't we have this sooner? And so having these connections where we can help get our name out and let them know that our resources, and I think that I can speak for all of us on that, is just just the awareness that, hey, we're here. Um, and just how to navigate when these kinds of things happen, especially for like me and Shelly, where you know, the worst, the worst fear of the law enforcement community is coming true and there's resources to help navigate that. That's all we want people to know. Absolutely. Steve, anything to add from your perspective? Sure. Um, obviously, you know, the federal prosecutors along with, um, our uh, counterparts, uh, in, uh, traditional law enforcement, uh, have uh, interests that overlap. We are all working towards the same goal to ensure that um, uh, we uh, maximize public safety uh, while protecting um, victims as well as those who are, are innocent of, of wrongdoing. Um, and when uh, those interests uh, obviously are, are aligned, um, it's great to have a forum where you know, we all can exchange ideas um, and really get on the same page about how to approach uh, the same problems that, that we face in doing our jobs um, and making sure that we all have the tools that we need to uh, protect the public and make sure that justice is done. Thanks so much, Steve. And we are right at the end of our first break, but when we come back, we will discuss some of the columns that these partners have written about this year, um, and then continue on discussing events and activities from 2021 and looking ahead into 2022. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I am here with our Fed Forum partners from the National Association of Assistant U.S. Attorneys, Concerns of Police Survivors, and Survivors of Blue Suicide. From those organizations is Stephen Wasserman, Shelley Jones, and Sarah Sloan. We're going to be discussing some of the columns written about this year in our Fed Forum. Each column, or rather each quarter, starts with an introductory prompt that we ask all of our organizations, and they're able to write columns answering those prompts, uh, as well as sharing any additional information going on at their organization at the time. So for our first quarter of 2021, or of the Fed Forum year, we asked, what is the issue most important to your organization? And I want to start with COPS. Um, you talked a lot about the rise of line of duty deaths that we were seeing in 2021. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why it really bubbles to the top for you and your organization? Well, to put it in perspective, normally we have always said an average of 140 to 160 officers die in the line of duty each year. Um, we have to go back to do our own research because that that's it's grown tremendously. Um, with not having National Police Week in 2020, we had to do two years worth in 2021, and we honored 491 officers. So you multiply that by an average of 10 survivors per officer. You can see where when I wrote the article, I said that we had jumped to 55,000 and we just hit the 60,000 mark. Um, and this year, because of COVID, which is definitely leading the line of duty deaths, um, we're gearing up between 458 to 500. ODMP is reporting 500. Um, the Memorial Wall is reporting 458. And of course, there's a process to determine that. Um, but 301 of 458, that's COVID. Um, Unfortunately, this year we've seen 19 ambushes on officers that resulted in a line of duty death, um, and 62 of the 62 of the 458 are all firearms. So while COVID is an issue in itself, um, the violent deaths are really on a rise, and so that's where we we really are trying to just create 
a different mindset across the nation. And we've been doing that in, in 2015, we started um, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, and that was actually just a couple days ago on January 9th. So I think that brings a little bit of positivity to what law enforcement does and what they're about. And, you know, there's always going to be that negative story that's out there. But if you really, if you, I encourage you to look up hashtag law enforcement appreciation day and just see the stories of what people are sharing. It's incredible. Um, it's really uplifting to be honest. Um, and we've also been doing the blue blood drives to bring awareness to donate blood and honor of off and on and honor of officers. So there's just this proactive conversation around law enforcement now. Um, but the way it impacts, especially cops as an organization here in the office, we've had to increase our staff. We're starting to look at different locations for our programs because with the increase in survivors, we're increasing the attendance at our programs and um, we're quickly outgrowing those. Um, Diane, our executive director, is actually in Washington, D.C. right now looking for a bigger space for National Police Week because we've grown that much. So um, when it comes to the events and needing more funding to accommodate those new survivors, um, we're very we're very proud of our charity navigator rating. We have had four stars on there for 10 years because when you donate to cops, 96 cents of every dollar goes right where it's supposed to, and that goes to the survivors. So, but unfortunately, we're with the increase, we're we're just struggling to keep up. But it impacts everything, and so um, and like I said, people that don't know cops, chances are they don't know what Officer Down Memorial Page is, they don't know what NLMF is, they don't know what SBS is. Um, until it hits home to them. And so I encourage anybody listening to this, if, you, if you're not familiar with this side of law enforcement, I encourage you to go to all of our sites and just see, see the impact that is really hitting our nation right now. Yeah, that was an incredibly informative and moving column for me because really explaining by the numbers, just the increase in not only line of duty deaths, but in survivors, um, you know, and understanding the widespread impact of these deaths, uh, it, it is incredibly important. And it's great that your organization is dedicating so much time and attention to not only, you know, assisting those in the aftermath, but really getting ahead of it. Um, for NASA, you guys talked a lot about, you know, pay inequities that have been impacting U.S. attorneys uh, compared to main justice and have in a lot of ways been undermining the effective administration of justice. Steve, can you talk a little bit about why that is such a premier issue for your organization and some of maybe the history there? Sure. Um, so for those who, who may not know, there are uh, most federal employees are paid under the GS or general schedule. Um, AUSAs um, are paid under what's called the administratively determined pay scale. Um, Department of Justice attorneys at Maine Justice are paid under the GS scale. Um, those two pay scales are structured very differently, um, and that has resulted uh, over um, the last three decades in an ever- increasing um, gap between AUSA pay, uh, which is uh, oftentimes much lower than uh, the pay of uh, all, almost all other attorneys across the Department of Justice. Um, and that's due to a number of factors. Uh, the AD pay scale has much broader pay bands than the GS scale. Uh, the AD scale that AUSAs are paid under affords much greater discretion to uh, individual U.S. attorneys who run each uh, office to grant um, or deny uh, pay raises. And then uh, the increasingly uh, uh, tighter budget controls that have occurred uh, um, across government, but particularly at the Department of Justice, which has resulted in uh, a smaller pool of uh, funds to pay AUSAs um, uh, and, and uh, quite frankly, a much uh, a stronger leaning towards trying to onboard new AUSAs as opposed to paying those who are, are already uh, working. Um, what's that? What that has done, quite frankly, is it's made it very difficult to retain um, qualified uh, and experienced litigators um, in the ranks of uh, uh, the U.S. Attorney's offices, particularly in uh, those areas or cities uh, that are most expensive to live in. Um, and that's where you know, the overwhelming majority of, of our AUSA community reside. 
Um, uh, it's also uh, obviously a morale killer, which which you know probably seems obvious, but um, this uh, pay inequity, um, while it impacts uh, AUSAs across experience levels, its greatest impact is probably within the more junior to mid-level ranks. Um, and uh, what it also does is um, inhibits uh, offices' abilities uh, ability to hire. Um, uh, minority uh, um, applicants, because oftentimes uh, those uh, applicants may come to uh, uh, their careers or entering their careers which, with substantially more debt and, and tougher financial circumstances in which they just simply cannot uh, take on um, a public service position or maintain a public service position in, in a U.S. attorney's office for financial reasons. So, uh, with minority uh, um, uh, minorities already underrepresented in the ranks of, of uh, our prosecutors' offices, this exacerbates that problem. Um, we have, uh, over the course of many years now, uh, tried to, um, uh, you know, push the Department of Justice to remedy this problem. Um, initially, we had uh, <laughs> trouble convincing them that uh, there was a disparity at all. Um, and finally, uh, they, they did acknowledge uh, um, what was quite frankly obvious from their own data, that there were significant pay disparities, oftentimes up to $40,000 difference between uh, AUSAs who are uh, similarly experienced um, and engaging in or working on really similar uh, types of cases to those at Maine Justice. Um, uh, but they have... Um, thus far uh, failed to uh, take substantial measures to to equalize pay. In 2016, uh, to the department's credit, they did uh, modify slightly the AD scale, um, which uh, bumped up uh, pay for some junior AUSAs, but unfortunately it was a, a relatively small tweak and, and did not come close to dealing with the, the problem. So uh, NASA has been, um, continuing to fight this battle, uh, both with the Department of Justice and, and have sought relief um, on Capitol Hill. And we are hopeful that um, this administration uh, at the department will uh, see its way uh, through to, to finally resolve this inequity. Yeah, reading your column and hearing about this $40,000 gap um, is very significant. And in your column, you also discussed some of the, you know, federal employee viewpoint data that very consistently shows that pay is a premier concern within U.S. attorney offices. It was an issue that, you know, until I started following NASA's work, I wasn't aware of and understanding how it impacts the diversity within our justice system, the administration of our justice, you know, having qualified personnel to lead large scale cases, um, it, it has a significant impact. And while perhaps not top of mind for many people, it's very clear why it is your most important issue. I want to discuss, Shelley, your important issue, and I think it will lead us into the second quarter discussion as well, talking about um, for your organization, it's a lot about the communication surrounding suicide. And can you tell us a little bit about that issue for, for your organization? Agencies and families uh, struggle to communicate when an officer dies by suicide. Um, they, there's the stigma attached and, and sometimes they just don't know what to say. And part of that becomes an issue when they're trying to honor the officer who died um, and honoring them um, is important and it's very important to the families and the communication with the families after an officer dies is essential. Um, we recommend not only notifying the spouse in person, but also the parents and the siblings. You know, when there's a suicide, family dynamics tend to change a little bit. And so rather than put that responsibility on the spouse, we recommend that they communicate with the parents and let them know and, and the siblings. Um, we um, also recommend honoring these officers with honors. You know, these families sacrificed the whole time their family was um, uh, serving as a law enforcement agent or officer. And so we really need 
to recognize that service and provide those honorable funerals for those families. And they need to communicate um, amongst um, their departments what they will and won't do for these families because not everyone knows. And, and so it's important to have that policy in place before it happens. So communication is vital in all the aspects, in the notification, in, in, in the aftermath, and in with uh, the families and the internal coworkers. Thank you, Shelley. And one of the things that you kind of talked about is in this importance of the communication is the role of the surviving spouse. And in your second quarter column, the question was, what's a day in the life like for a member of your organization? You described a day in the life of a surviving spouse. And what really struck me was it discussed all of the small things that become big victories in a single day for an individual going through this. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what the framing for that column was like? Yeah, I actually um, had the um, uh, the survivor, Samantha Poor, who is the president of SBS, uh, write that article, and I helped her um, as she, she wrote it. But yeah, if you'll notice, a lot of the struggles that she faced are very similar to those of um, single parents. But then you add the, um, the suicide on top of that, and that adds a dynamic that affects um, support from outside families, members, um, extended family members, um, and having those conversations with the children is really uh, difficult. And she had three little ones and um, just getting her kids to their sporting events was, um, as it was an accomplishment for the day. You know, she would be going in three different directions and sometimes have to recruit other people. So um, she um, she takes a lot of um, pride in the fact that they sit down as a family and they eat together. And I have met her three children and I gotta say they are probably the most polite, well-mannered children I have ever met in my entire life. So. You know, she's managing it very well, but but it's definitely a struggle. Yeah, that you that really comes through in the column and, and hearing it from her voice was was very moving. Uh, we do need to stop here for our next break. But when we come back, we will continue the conversation about some of the columns from 2021, as well as some of the events and activities that these organizations have hosted. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're just entering the second half of our show with Fed Forum partners, NAA USA, Survivors of Blue Suicide, and COPS. We are in the middle of discussing some of the columns from this year's Fed Forum. We're on the quarter two columns. The topic for this was what is a day in the life like for one of your members? And I wanted to kick off this portion of the discussion looking at the column from COPS. Like survivors of blue suicide, COPS gave us a column written in the voice of a survivor. It was an incredibly moving column. And I wanted to kick it off by just reading a portion of the column that I found incredibly impactful. And then hearing a little bit from Sarah about how this really 
frames a day in the life and the kind of support that COPS offers. Um, this was a story, a survivor story by Garrett Garten. And he writes, the COPS organization is the best thing to happen to me since my dad was killed. Concerns of Police Survivors has brought me together with some of the nicest, fun, most loving, and wholesome, beautiful people I know. It's inspirational. I see everyone else doing it, so that means I can too. That's one of the biggest things COPS Kid Camp has helped me with. Being around other survivors has shown me that despite everything I'm faced with, I can still go on and prosper. I was so moved reading that because it really speaks to the role that having a community and a partnership plays in helping people in their everyday life move forward after these tragic instances occur. I thought this was a beautiful column. And Sarah, if you could just give us a moment to discuss you know, why you think this was written this way and, and how it speaks to what so many survivors go through. So for COPS, the heart of the organization is peer support, survivors helping other survivors because nobody knows what they've been through except for others who have been through it. And so for Garrett, he was 12 when his dad was killed. And his dad was killed in a, in a, in a different way. Um, it actually happened several times, but his dad was actually... Um, part of the motor escort for another officer's funeral. And he was in the motorcade and there was a collision and he ended up losing his life. Um, so for Garrett being 12, his little brother was eight. Um, it, it's been 10 years. His dad, he, he had those formative years without his dad. So, you know, he watched other kids, their dad taking them hunting or coming to their sporting events. And he had his mom and in and, and talking to him outside of this, you know, his mom did a great job of trying to step in, but it's, it's not the same. Um, and so if we're going to kids camp um, and young adult camp and outward bound where you not only have other kids that have been through this and also lost their, their parent, you also have the mentors that are oftentimes law enforcement themselves, or they're also surviving adult children now um, who step into that parental role. Um, and so I think that's what Garrett is talking about when he says that it really has changed his life because what was missing, what was taken from him in his life was sort of replaced when he's at kids camp. And it gives a lot of kids something to look forward to is because their life is so different now at home, you know, other kids know they're, they're the one that lost their parent. And that's, that's different for a lot of his age of children. And so to look forward to being at kids camp and being with those that get him. I mean, it's incredible to see. And it was incredible to read about. You really get that sense of how important the community is and how important it is also to have people who actually understand and get it. Um, you know, a couple months ago, we did a show on mental health in the law enforcement community. Shelly joined us for that as well. And one of the things we really emphasized was the importance of culturally competent assistance, having people who understand the unique experiences of law enforcement and the traumas that go with law enforcement. And I think this column really spoke to, from a very personal perspective, what that benefit is and, and how it plays out. It was an incredibly moving read. Nasa, for your column on A Day in the Life of One of Your Members, what struck me as so interesting was we think of, or I I think most people probably think of AUSAs and they think of that courtroom drama taking on the big federal criminals. And that's a big part of it. But in your column, you also discussed this wide range of work that is done within our U.S. attorney offices, including on the civil side, um, you know, dealing with appellate level work. Can you tell us a little bit about that range? Sure. So, um as you mentioned, uh, the U.S. attorney community has both uh, criminal prosecutors and civil pro or civil AUSAs. Um, on the civil side of the office, um, uh, our AUSAs handle really the full range of of civil matters that you might see in any other organization, um, and then some that are unique to uh, the government. Uh, anything from uh, employment discrimination cases to uh, uh, torts to commercial litigation. Um, 
our uh, uh, civil AUSAs essentially represent the United States in all uh, civil matters. Um, so they engage in the, uh, the discovery process, depositions, uh, motions practice um, that you see in, in any civil, civil matter. Um, and uh, uh, they really do develop uh, a great expertise um, in civil litigation and, and uh, are probably some of the country's foremost civil litigators. Um, on the other side of the office is, is what people I think are, are more familiar with, which is uh, the criminal side in um, criminal AUSAs uh, um, on any given day can be working on intaking uh, a new case and um, charging an individual with a crime uh, to investigating a matter in the grand jury uh, by interviewing witnesses, putting uh, evidence before a grand jury uh, in, in advance of an indictment, um, and then uh, uh, the appearing in court for those cases that are post-indictment and uh, either moving towards trial uh, or moving towards sentencing um, uh, if, if the case has, has resolved uh, with a conviction. So um, in addition to that, and that's kind of more the front end and middle end of, of criminal prosecution, um, our criminal AUSAs also handle uh, appeals of convictions, compassionate release motions, and collateral attacks on, uh, on convictions after uh, the standard appeal process has been completed. So um, our criminal AUSAs really are the nation's primary litigators. We are the forward uh, face of the Department of Justice across the country, and um, uh, we we handle uh, obviously the full range of federal criminal offenses, everything from white collar crime to narcotics trafficking and violent offenses. Um, uh, we do it all. We're one stop shopping at uh, at uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize just how much um, our federal law enforcement apparatus does. And it really all comes to that those U.S. attorney offices and those AUSAs on both the civil and the criminal side to really carry the water for the United States government. It is an incredible role. Now, I want to move on to discussing events and activities that these organizations have hosted in 2021. Before I do that, I am going to tease for our listeners the final quarter round of topics that we did in the Fed Forum. The topic area was one area of law enforcement that does not get enough attention. We got some really interesting columns from looking at coworkers, agency support for families. We had a column on the housing needs um, in like with increased cost of housing for law enforcement officers. We had some great columns. Definitely check out the fedagent.com Fed Forum homepage for all of our columns thus far. You know, you can read more about these incredible stories and see the stories coming in 2022. One of the great benefits of the Fed Forum is that we share with each other when a big conference is going on, when a webinar is going on, some of the different events and activities that these organizations are doing. And I wanna take a moment to discuss what some of those were in 2021 and a little bit about what's ahead. So I'm going to start with COPS. Um, you guys do events both for survivors and for law enforcement. You've already touched on some of these. Can you tell us a little bit about what you hosted in 2021? Sure. Um, 2021, we were grateful to be able to hold our hands-on programs in person again. Um, National Police Week in D.C. got postponed from May, which is normally around May 15th. Um, it got postponed October, but we were able to hold it. And then um, we turned around in November and had our national conference on law enforcement, wellness and trauma. Um, and that saw great success. I think people were just waiting to get back in person with things. We, we tried to uh, substitute virtual options during 2020 and it worked, but there's nothing like doing it together. Um, and so going into 2022, um, we're also gearing up for National Police Week. It's gonna be another huge year. Um, like I said, that between 438 to 500 officers being honored just in 2021. Um, it, it's going to be a big year, but um, if anybody wants to get involved, we always need volunteers. If you're in the DC area, 
especially at National Police Week. And then our national conference is happening again in November. And uh, we're actually, our director of training is in Kansas City right now looking at an option there, or it's gonna be in Dallas. Um, so that'll be announced here in the next week. So. Great, and that's so exciting, um, especially because law enforcement, wellness, trauma, those are such pressing issues for the law enforcement community. And like we discussed earlier, especially in light of the pandemic, um, it, you're right, people are itching for that type of community engagement and involvement again. So uh, it's great to hear that that's coming up and we will be closely watching to see what location is decided on. Uh, for NASA, Steve, I know you came on as president in 2021. Uh, congratulations and welcome. We've had the former president, Larry Lizer, on the show before. He was really incredible. You got to serve as vice president under him. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, kind of what it was like for you coming on and some of the webinars and other things that NASA hosted for members in 2021? Sure. Um, thank you, Natalia. Um, it's been, you know, a tremendous honor and uh, um, responsibility to uh, to take over the presidency from Larry, who uh, was president for many years and, and has a long history with NASA. Um, uh, one of obviously uh, we mentioned the pay issue and and um, uh, the problems we've had with that remains a, a major priority for for our organization. Um, but we have been able to engage our members with webinars, um, and we've done that through one of our sponsors, LexisNexis, where we have uh, had um, uh, representatives uh, um, uh, put on uh, webinars uh, that uh, uh, assist our AUSAs with using LexisNexis. We've done some webinars um, on various practice areas. Uh, forfeiture comes to mind as uh, uh, we had. Uh, uh, one of the foremost um, experts in uh, forfeiture uh, uh, with a webinar, and we've done webinars on on pay issues and and other issues that impact uh, the AUSA community, and and we look forward to doing that again in 2022. You know, as uh, some of my guests know, but my listeners probably don't, I'm currently in law school, and I must say, LexisNexis is extremely confusing. <laughs> so, but extremely like a great resource for the legal community. So, providing that. You know, that gap filling role that organizations like NASA play to make sure that AUSAs are up on all their skills, are aware of how to navigate these platforms. It is an incredible role and, and a very important role for the federal law enforcement community. Um, survivors of Blue Suicide, Shelly, you guys have both weekend retreats for survivors as well as virtual events for individuals um, who may not be able to attend in person. Can you give us a little overview of what some of that looks like? Last year, we held our very first retreats. Uh, we held the parents and the spouses. Um, we had small turnout. COVID played a role in, in the numbers, but um, we were very excited to, to get them off the ground. And we are going to be hosting them. Um, in 2022 as well, and we're adding a co-workers retreat in April. So if there's any um, co-workers that were affected by an officer or an agent's suicide, um, check out our website and uh, register for that, because I promise you, you will not be sorry you attended. We also hosted our very first National Survivor or Law Enforcement Suicide Survivors Conference, um, Memorial Event, and Blue Light Vigil in San Antonio. And we uh, revealed the what will be the first panel um, of the memorial wall, which had the names of the families, uh, their officer um, who attended the event, they were engraved on it. So it will become part of a permanent wall when we find a location. So, in, and then in 2022, we are going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, to do the um, to host the, the Survivors Conference, the Memorial Event and Blue Light Vigil will be in July of 2022. Yeah, we talked a lot about the kind of role of countering the stigma, improving the communication, and these events are such a great opportunity to do that. And I love that you teased a little bit about what's coming in 2022. When we come back from our final break, we will discuss a little bit more about the new year, what are some events we can expect to occur, and also some of the policy issues that are top of mind and things that we're looking out for in the federal law enforcement community. So we'll be right back after our final break. 
Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We are entering the last segment of our show. It has been a really great discussion about partnering across the community, the columns that were written in the Fed Forum this year, as well as some of the events and activities that have gone on in 2021 and looking a little bit to 2022. Talking about 2022, the new year ahead of us, um, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about what COPS has on the horizon and some of the events that you guys are working on that you haven't mentioned yet? Sure. So one of the events that anybody and everybody can get involved in is our Y in July. Um, we started this last year um, and we had 491 officers that were being honored. So we're encouraging people to, we encourage them to do 491 minutes in July in honor of off fallen officers, recent officers, future officers, just anybody in law enforcement. We just wanted it to be in memory or in honor of them. Um, bike, swim, walk, run, golf if you want to. Um, this year is going to be another big year, so I won't be able to tell you the minutes required until about March. Um, but we have an awesome platform at concernsofpolicesurvivors.org that um, you can set up your fundraising profile. It's social media friendly to share out there and people donate and um, it's a quick way and easy way to support the survivors of, of line of duty death. And anyone can do it. Anyone, anyone can join. Just come to our site, look around, but definitely visit Why in July. Why in July, uh, that's great. We will definitely make a note of that. And I really encourage everyone to get involved in such a worthy cause. NASA also has quite a bit coming on in the new year. What are some of the things you guys are planning to engage in? Well, in addition to our sort of normal webinar series that we do with LexisNexis, as well as um, some of the uh, practice area uh, webinars, we are planning uh, a new AUSA orientation, um, which would be virtual, uh, where we would invite uh, new AUSAs around the country to join us uh, for a, a program to uh, introduce them to being an AUSA with uh, sp guest speakers uh, uh, on you know, some of the issues that face new AUSAs and the learning curve that, you know, I think we all uh, ended up going through when we started as prosecutors. And we're hoping to have an annual meeting, which would be uh, virtual uh, later in the year where we would have our uh, delegates, officers, and members uh, have uh, the opportunity to get together and engage. Um, and we're in planning uh, an agenda for that as well. So hopefully we can pull those two off uh, in 2022. That's very exciting, especially for the new AUSAs. We've talked a lot over the course of this uh, of this hour about you know some of the struggles that AUSAs face, some of the issues you know regarding pay, and I think giving new AUSAs that opportunity to really connect um, will will be a great thing in 2022. Uh, we already heard from Shelley about this conference planned for 2022 and some of these other events. And so I want to give us all an opportunity now to discuss the issue that is most top of mind or uh, perhaps an area of concern for the law enforcement community in 2022. There is a lot on the horizon, a lot going on in our nation. And I want to hear from you guys about what the direction that that we're headed in. So Sarah, I'll start with you. Um, this year, of course, it's it's still gonna be COVID. Um, it's an invisible threat. You know, when when an officer pulls somebody over and you keep your hands on the wheel, that's for the protection of the officer. There's no way to protect those officers from this invisible threat. And it's a threat that they are bringing home to their families or vice versa. And so um, just, just being there for the families, letting them know that we're here for them, just like if it was any other kind of line of duty death. Um, you know, they don't officers don't have the option to work remote or quarantine. You know, they they have to be out there. And um, with this kind of unprecedented threat, all we can do is just support when it happens. Yeah, that's really critical. Um, providing that support role because you're right, it is very much unprecedented. I know NASA is also watching these COVID issues very closely as 
the year moves forward, what are some of the things, Steve, that you're seeing for AUSAs that comes top of mind? Well, uh, obviously, uh, trying to um, continue uh, and, and create a environment where AUSAs can telework a certain amount of time, um, even as uh, we hope COVID abates. Uh, I think we've demonstrated over the last two years that telework um, is an excellent way uh, for um, AUSAs to be able to do their jobs and, and have a little bit better quality of life. Um, and uh, I think we've demonstrated that, uh, you know, the work can still get done. Um, so we're hopeful that the department will um, uh, institute a, a more rigorous telework program um, moving forward. Uh, we're also uh, very concerned about um, some of the legislative pushes um, uh, concerning, uh, at least ostensibly, increasing accountability for federal employees um, and specifically law enforcement and, and federal prosecutors. Uh, we certainly are uh, um, uh, in favor of, of maintaining accountability, but uh, wanting to make sure that it's done responsibly and in a way that allows uh, the law enforcement community to continue to aggressively pursue its, its work. So we're watching those issues carefully. Yeah, absolutely. Those are a top of mind issues, not just for, you know, the federal law enforcement community, but for a lot of federal employee groups. And I have no doubt that they will continue to be discussed, not only in the Fed Forum and through our newsletters, but also on this program. And we will be following those very closely. Shelly, looking to you in 2022, uh, what are some of the things top of mind for survivors of blue suicide? Well, one of our biggest concerns, obviously, like everyone here, is uh, COVID and the wellness of the officers, not just the physical wellness, but the, the mental wellness. You know, everyone understands physical pain, but not everyone understands or recognizes mental pain. And uh, we need to take care of our officers um, and recognize some of the signs um, when they're there they're not always there but when they are there we need to recognize them agencies are actually starting to worry to be concerned and to address those issues which is nice it's just we have a long way to go oh absolutely you know we like i said we had our mental health show earlier this year where we discussed some of these issues and the importance of really getting the agencies involved um in, in, on the forefront and in more of a preventative role I want to thank my guests so much for joining me today. This has been an incredibly informative conversation. Before we end, I do want to remind all of the officers who perhaps listened to the show, some of the discussions about line of duty deaths, about suicide prevention. I do just want to take a moment to remind officers that if they are ever in need of assistance, they can reach the cop line by texting HOME to 741 741. If anything on this show really hit home for you, please feel free to reach out to the cop line. I also encourage you to check out COPS, Survivors of Blue Suicide, and NASA for additional information on the great work going on at these organizations. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank Steve Wasserman from NASA, Shelly Jones from SBS, and Sarah Sloan from, from COPS for joining me. And thank all of you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our sister newsletter, Fed Agent, to stay up to date with all the great things happening across the federal law enforcement community. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend.